Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. The Chamomile Lawn by Mary Wesley. Chapter 17. It was during the bombing in the autumn of 1940 that Helena bought two adjacent houses in Enderby Street. The price was low, the owners anxious to get away from London. "'You must be mad!' Richard yelled on the telephone from Cornwall. "'I'm using my own money. Throwing it away. They are convenient for Harrods and Peter Jones. They will be bombed, I ask you. Not necessarily, no. The General says you should see a psychiatrist. So do my lawyer and my bank.' Why can't you stay in Sarah and George's house? They have moved to Bath. With Polly, then, as you are doing now. Buying houses in London is lunacy. That street is jerry-built. Not even solid, I ask you. The houses are an investment. Our three minutes are up. Goodbye. Helena turned to Polly. What's so funny? You and Uncle Richard. Your three minutes were not up. He was too cross to notice. I know why you are buying those houses. Shall you have a communicating door? What a good idea. Do you know a reasonable builder? We can find one. You know, Aunt, you can always stay here. Thank you, but this house is for the young. I want my own house. I shall enjoy furnishing it. Why stop at a door? The two front rooms knocked together would make room for a grand piano. You can have musical soirees. I think not. He's ruined my drawing room for me in Cornwall. Monica bangs away for him. It's no longer mine. Richard encouraged it. Oh, no. Then where will Max have a piano? He has the use of a piano in Pont Street. He can go on using that. It's only a minute away. You are tough. Pont Street won't get bombed. Why not? It's too ugly. I refuse to have a piano in my house. No. Helena moved fast, finding a builder who was willing to decorate and plumb. By the end of October, her houses were ready. Sparsely furnished, but comfortable. The communicating door was disguised as a bookcase. Monica, should she overcome her fears, could stay with Max with propriety. On the evening when Calypso visited Polly, arriving on her bicycle before air-raid time, she found Helena and Polly discussing furniture. "'What have you bought so far?' Calypso was interested. "'Beds,' said Helena. "'The best from heels. "'Very important. Hector had a frightful thing.' He had slept in it with Daphne. It sagged in the middle. I bought a new one. I thought they weren't close. They weren't. Hector slept in his dressing room. Daphne's great Dane slept with her. That's what Hector says. One can't be sure. I shall collect furniture from damaged houses. Prices will be astronomical if we survive the war. I shall pick up antiques. The girls looked at one another, amused. Rather a gamble, suggested Calypso. Worth taking, said Helena. Good night, girls. There's a lot more in Aunt Helena than I thought possible, said Polly. 
What do you think Max is like in bed? Better than Uncle Richard. By the way, I told Tony he could pick me up here when he comes off duty at eight. Is that all right? Perfectly, said Polly coolly. He seems to enjoy being a fireman. Who would have thought it? You don't mind? Why should I? He doesn't belong to me. I rather thought he did. I introduced you, didn't I? Polly said equably. So you did. But I rather thought, well, only for a short time. Just long enough, actually. Long enough? Yes. Darling, do you imagine if he were mine that I'd allow you to meet? Tony says he doesn't understand you. Of course he does. Do you think that's him? There's someone at the door. Are you expecting anybody else? No. He can see me home. Is Hector away? Yes, Aldershot. I haven't seen him for a week. I'll let him in, shall I? Don't show a light, Polly tidied the kitchen as Calypso ran upstairs to open the front door. She heard her exclaim and men's voices. Then Calypso came in, looking rather pink, followed by Tony and Oliver. Can you house me for a couple of days? I'm on embarkation leave, Oliver kissed Polly. Of course. Polly looked over his shoulder at Calypso. Did you meet Tony on the steps? Tony's a fireman. Are you going on duty or coming off, Tony? Her smile showed her slanting teeth. Coming off, said Tony, eyeing the girls, his expression conveying the words as well you know. He said, I saw your bicycle, Calypso. Someone might fall over it out there in the street. Yes, well, I'm just leaving. I'll see you home, said Oliver. My bicycle. I'll wheel it or run beside you. Oh, Ollie, like a faithful dog. Shall we go? Polly and Tony listened to them leave. Did she know he was coming? he asked suspiciously. No, Tony, and nor did I. Tony laughed. I shall have to wait till his leave was over. I suppose so. Would you like to meet our aunt? Your aunt? Not particularly. Helena, Maxed Ersfiler's chum. That aunt? Yes, I would. Is she here? Just gone upstairs. She's bought two houses near here. She's, well, you'd better meet her. I saw her at his concert. She didn't look musical, a dumpy figure. She isn't, but she's learning all sorts of tricks. How do you know? Not bed tricks, tricks of speech. She's taken to ending her sentences with yes or no, like ya and nine. Her life, once so dull, is now far from it. Lead me to her. Tony Wood became a great friend of Helena's, Polly later told Iris and James as she drove them to the funeral. Really? Tony Wood? How did that come about? Isn't he homosexual? Polly took a hand off the wheel to stroke her mongrel dog. The dog continued to gaze ahead without acknowledgement. Well, he is, but at one time, he was a great one for the girls. I'd call him ambidextrous. Was he a friend of yours or Calypso's? I introduced him to Calypso. We all shared him. Hector found him amusing. Walter liked him. Even Oliver grew to like him, I believe. Later. But it was Helena who really caught his fancy. He was older than us. Just that much nearer to Helena. She made use of his sophistication. He taught her a lot. It helped with Max. I should have thought, said James, that in the war with the bombing and so on, there wasn't much time for private life. That's where you are wrong, said Polly. We all lived intensely. We did things we never would have done otherwise. It was a very happy time. What about fear? What about anxiety for your loved ones? 
Iris leaned from the back seat to speak to her mother. I was frightened and anxious all the time, but it made the delights all the more so, the surprises more surprising. People like Oliver, Walter, David and Paul appeared and disappeared. It was wonderful that they were still alive. My parents were killed. I thought they were safe in Godalming. In London I survived. Calypso survived. If we were in love it was acute. We had fun. I know Calypso did. I did, and Helena, who had never had fun, grabbed it. Tony, who was in London all the war, watched us, was amused by us, and in his way loved us. All the other men came and went, but Tony was always around. What about Oliver? I saw him towards the end of 1940. Calypso had come to see me. He walked her home, pushing her bicycle. She had a bicycle. Holding Calypso by one hand, Oliver pushed the bicycle with the other. Calypso used her torch with care. The wardens get awfully ratty if one flashes it about. Is Hector in London? Oliver asked stiffly. No, he may turn up, but I don't think so. I haven't seen him for weeks. I'm alone. I'd come round to see Polly and find out what Aunt Eleanor is up to. Who is that man? Tony Wood, friend of Polly's. Oliver, holding Calypso's arm, now said, I'm on embarkation leave. Again? Where are you going this time? I don't know. Not supposed to tell. Egypt, I bet. How do you know? Hector and his friends talk. He was at Dunkirk, you know. You said Dover last time I saw you. Well, he went across to collect the French from Dunkirk, then further along to Cherbourg, some of them are awfully jolly. Jollier than me? Much, Calypso chuckled as they walked in the dark. One of them, a buddy of Hector's, rode himself across to Dover, then got sent back to France, only to have to bunk again. Lots of bunking, isn't there? Look at you in Norway. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kay, U.S. Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics U.S., brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. It was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? <laughs> well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. 
In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy, too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics U.S. wherever you get your podcasts. Is this your street? Yes, Calypso was silent as they reached her house. Would you bring the bicycle into the hall? Oliver propped the machine against a radiator and took Calypso in his arms, kissing her neck gently. My darling. Darling Ollie. Nice sofa. Come. She led him to her drawing room. I must pull the curtains. Take off your scratchy uniform. Oh, it isn't. I'd forgotten you'd become an officer, but take it off. I hate being squashed against buttons. Hector's makes quite a pattern in groups of three. Or is it four? Being snobby about buttons won't put me off. You'd better unzip yourself this time. Calypso laughed, kicking off her shoes. Oliver watched her undress, then walk naked across the room to put logs on the fire. One of my luxuries, having a log fire. We got the logs from a friend of Hector's in Berkshire. Stop talking. Come here. I'm nervous. No, you're not. Here. There. He held her, stroking her back. Relax. Remember the chamomile lawn. Magic. Helena planted it for our games, our plots. Hush. Pay attention. Oh, Oliver, Oliver. You didn't enjoy it. My God, you didn't enjoy it. Oh, damn and hell and blast. I didn't say. You didn't need to. Oliver was collecting his clothes, pulling on his trousers, buttoning his shirt, tucking it into his trousers, putting on his tie, putting on socks and shoes in bitter concentration. Calypso sat naked on the sofa watching him, her eyes in pale face thoughtful. Below them the street door opened with a bang, then slammed shut. There was a clatter of collision with the bicycle. A man's voice. Whoops! Calypso snatched her dress, pulling it over her head, zipping it up. Hector. She pushed her underclothes behind a cushion. Whoops-a-daisy! The bicycle clattered again. Hector broke into song. And when I'm dead, don't bury me at all. He kicked the bicycle. Out of my way! Way! Just pickle my bones in alcohol! Calypso, who had been listening intently, grinned. He's in a good temper. Thank God. Is he often drunk? Sometimes, she was evasive. Violent? I think you'd better go. She went out on the landing and leaned over the banisters, looking down. Hector lay entangled with the bicycle. He's passing out, she whispered. Shall I help you put him to bed? No, no. I'll see you out from the kitchen. He's blocking the front door. Come on, she said impatiently. Are you sure? Surely I can... No, please, Ollie, go. She took his hand, leading him down to the basement, through the kitchen, up the area steps. In the street, he took her shoulders, looking into her face. Goodbye. It was small comfort, I'm afraid. Better than none, I hope. Almost, Oliver thought. She minded. Better to know. His voice was neutral. He kissed her lightly and was gone, his steps diminishing fast in the quiet street. 
Calypso noticed the Lagonda at an angle to the pavement, its lights still on. She parked the car properly, switched off the lights. Back in the house, she disentangled Hector's legs from the bicycle, fetched cushions to prop his head and blankets from the dressing room bed, making him as comfortable as possible, unbuttoning his tunic. What a pattern of buttons! The affection in her voice surprised her. Hector opened his eyes, focusing carefully, squinting up. I'm drunk. I know. Come to bed when you can. I'm not. I'm not, uh, uh, what do I want to say? Calypso, don't leave me. Stay here. She lay down beside him. He put an arm around her while she pulled the blankets up to cover herself. Come close. Your buttons hurt. Never mind. I'm terribly uncomfortable. Go to sleep. Do you think you could get up to bed? All fours? I'll help you. Come on, try. So drunk. Yes, try harder. Hector suddenly reared to his feet and headed up the stairs at a run. As she propped the bicycle against the wall, she heard a crash and Hector laughing. She helps him undress, levering him out of his trousers. There, lie still. The room's going round and round and it comes out here. I'll make us some coffee. When she came back with the coffee, Hector was asleep. Calypso drank coffee, watching Hector. He looked vulnerable, eyes closed under his thick eyebrows. She smoothed them gently with a finger and then ran it along his lips, which were slightly rough. Outside, the all-clear sounded. She had not realised there was an alert. She put the light out and drew the curtains to look down at the street. Was it possible Oliver was still there? The street was empty. As she stood looking down, a special constable strolled round the corner. He was joined by an air raid warden. She saw them laughing. They walked along to Hector's car and admired it. The warden patted the bonnet as though it were the nose of a horse. Calypso turned to look at Hector, whose eyes were open, watching her. Hector. He pulled her down. Does my breath smell? No, she sniffed. Yes. Get in with me, would you mind? No. What's the matter? She slipped her dress over her head and got in beside him. What's the matter? I'm on embarkation leave. You too? Who else? Oliver. Was he here? Yes, he walked me home from Polly's. He's in love with you. He thinks he is. And you? No. I like all those boys. They are cousins, might be brothers. There's incest. Not for me. I might be your father. My father never behaved like you. Wild. Ah, me. Do you think there's any Alka-Seltzer? Yes, and coffee. She brought him coffee. He drank and lay back with his arm round her shoulders. Will you go to Scotland? Stay there? Oh, no. Would be safe. But lonely. I hate it. I die of melancholy. When are you off? Two weeks. Put my affairs in order. Get lightweight uniform. Egypt. Probably. I must do a dash north. Will you come with me? Of course I will. Just for a day or two, not more. I wish you'd stay there, safe out of London. If London gets too bad, I'll go to Cornwall. I'll take care of myself. 
Promise? Yes. That man, Tony Wood, is in love with you, too. It isn't love, it's lust. Do you know the difference? I know lust. I don't think I know love. Calypso leant her head back, closing her eyes. Lucky you, oh, lucky, lucky you. Why, I thought I was missing something. You are. You certainly are. What then? Pain. Lots of pain. You do talk rubbish, Calypso chuckled. If you say so, said Hector dryly. I don't even know anyone who is in love. I don't think it exists. Quite apart from me. It's under your lovely nose. Who, for God's sake? Helena? Polly? Sophie? What a buffoon you are. Perhaps that's why I put up with you, apart from your money. That reminds me. I must make my will. What filthy bad taste. I'm a hard-headed Scot. You hurt me. Good. Another time. Hector's voice was turning nasty. Please leave your bicycle where I won't fall over it. They laughed together, relaxing. My mother says she and my father used to laugh together, Hamish said conversationally to his passenger. Yes, they did. Calypso had very little humour. But then she had no love either. Poor girl. They say my father had humour. He also had love. Did he love my mother? He adored her and he knew her. What do you mean? You sound a bit... Hamish hesitated. A bit, well, as though you didn't like my mother. I like her. She's always been very nice to me. She's not a giver, that's all. She can't help her character. She gave my father me. You were part of a bargain, for his money and heir. Hamish pulled across to the slow lane and stopped the car. What's the matter? Something wrong with the engine? Helena watched Hamish get out and stand with his back to her. He reminded her of Hector at his wedding long ago, tall, towering above Calypso, who was a tall girl. Did he love me? Hamish got back into the car. He loved you very much. Are you sure? I never really knew. Quite sure. He was very happy about you. You are very like your father. Less endearing, though. Hamish laughed. You are a wicked old woman. I know I am, Helena nodded. Evil. Evil. 